Welcome to Queer Core on CKUT 90.3 FM, Montreal's only queer culture show that bridges any divide between queer sex and radical queer politics. Due to the fabulous nature of queer experience, tonight's program may contain sexually explicit or coarse language. You've been advised. Pop Montreal International Music Festival is back from September 28th to October 2nd, 2022. Five days of music and over 200 artists, including teen punk viral sensations, the Linda Lindas, Canada's first drag race winner Priyanka, 70s British funk group Simande, Grammy-nominated and Juno Award winner Alison Russell, iconic dancehall queen Sister Nancy, post-rock legends Tortoise, and many more. The festival also features film screenings, visual art, symposium discussions, and as always, many surprises. Get your tickets and passes now at popmontreal.com. A CKUT co-presentation. You're listening to Hotel the Blues. You're on 90.3 CKUT FM. To get tonight's program started off, we're going to turn to the king and perhaps one of my... The French are glad to die for love They delight in fighting duels But I prefer a man who lives and gives Expensive jewels A kiss on the hand may be quite continental But diamonds are a girl's best friend A kiss may be grand But won't pay the rental on your humble flat Or help you at the automat Men grow cold as girls grow old And we all lose our charms in the end but square cut or pear shape, these rocks don't lose their shape. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Tiffany's. Time when a lass needs a lawyer, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. There may come a time when a hard boiled employer thinks you're awful nice, but get that ice or else no dice. He's your guy when stocks are high, but beware when they start to descend. It's then that those louses go back to their spouses. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. I've heard of affairs that are strictly platonic, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. And I think affairs that you must give with Sonic are better bets. If little pets get big baguettes, time rolls on and youth is gone. 
straighten up when you bend But stiff back or stiff knees you stand straight at What's up, Montreal? It's me, the one and only Miss Chris, back to life from my wonderful travels in Europe. It's been it's been a great time. It's been a great two weeks, three weeks, I think. If you saw my Instagram, I'm I'm also I'm very excited to let you guys know that I'm actually alone in the studio. Well, I have Alex with me helping me out, but I'm a big girl today and I'm doing the tech kind of myself. So as I said on my story, you know I'm pretty slow with technology. So if you hear something goes wrong, you can hit me up. My phone is right there. <laughs> But back to the topic at hand. So as promised, I told you guys when I came back that you know I was so excited to be back on air after my beautiful friends Munib and uh, Amal did such an amazing job taking over for me. I knew you guys had fun when I found out when I heard it when I found out the topics and those 50 questions and stuff that they brought. I was like, see, that's why these are the girls I picked to um, take care of the show while I'm gone because first of all these are people that I trust but also I knew that these were people that have a lot of things to say and things that a lot of you guys at home might be very interested in hearing you know this show is about security is about community therefore why not put the entire community on and on that note talking about putting the entire community on the reason why we're not doing the European traveling back with um, Sayana is first of all Sayana is opening up her business today Digital Studios launched and opened today Monday what day are we? Monday 19th, September 19th, the Digital Studios is open, loaded, working, and ready to be ready to be rented, for lack of better words. So you can go on on her Instagram and take um, really take a look at everything she has to offer. I'm so proud and excited for my sis. She's been working on it for quite a while, which is the reason why she couldn't be with us today. But rest assured... She'll be here next week alongside my, my posse, Miss Moni, Miss Amal. I think Tarek might be in town. Miss Mimi will be there. I have my other girls too. It's going to be a whole little shabam. I'm, I'm bringing the girls over. We'll have a talk. We'll have a nice talk. But for the topic today for this week is being Marilyn Monroe. The reason why, first of all, we've all heard of the movie coming out. I think it's actually already premiered, Blonde, with Ana de Armas and the roles of, and the role of Marilyn and directed by Andrew Dominic. I personally haven't seen the movie yet because I'm still debating whether I want to go see the movie in theaters or do I want to wait for the movie to be the movie to be out on Netflix, which is going to be September 28th, I think. But the movie being out and all of this conversation about Marilyn, because one thing about Marilyn Monroe, right, which is so funny because today I thought of it as being a sample episode, which is very ironic because when you think of Marilyn Monroe, there's nothing sample. There's definitely nothing sample and that's what makes her such an icon in pop culture is because nothing was simple with her. You might think that it was easy to just for her to just get on the screen, slap some red lipstick, a blonde wig, and call it a day, but no. Everything was calculated, everything was thought of, crafted, everything was worked on. And we're definitely going to get into that more with um, the little topics and segues that I have for the episode, but the movie coming out really 
pushed me to dive back into Maryland a bit more. Because one thing about me, I'm a huge... I would like to call myself a pop culture connoisseur, or connoisseurs, or a pop culture aficionado, as in... If you want to know who's who, who's a Virgo, who's a Taurus, who had their um, record deal first, what movie was a box office flop, what studio system had a problem with um, whatever actors from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and so on and so forth, that's me. The reason why I got into this business and the industry as a performer is because I always had such a great love for women in the past, and not only women in the past, as a non-binary person, I also take a, took a lot of inspiration from um, male performers of the past. You know, putting you on a little secret. My stage name, and you know, I feel crazy saying this on air, but yes, Marlo is not my real name. No, 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 it's a stage name that I came up with. It's a stage name indeed. I'm finally putting the secret out because a lot of you guys are always so confused when, you know, you're next to me in more um, legal, let's say, settings and you hear my real name and you're like, wait, how many names do you have? I won't tell you my legal name because that's between me, my mother, God, and our prime minister. <laughs> However, I'll give you a little side note, a little backstory to where my um, stage name comes from. So Marlo is an anagram between Bardot and Marlon, Marlon Brando. So that's just to show you that I've always had such a love and such a admiration for everything that came before from the past. Because the thing about pop culture, the thing about actresses, actors, singers, models, designers, artists is as big as a part of, cult- of pop culture they are, I feel like... They're often being looked over in the sense that pop culture is not something that's being thought in school, taught in school, which I personally believe pop culture should be right alongside science. Because trust and believe, knowing more about Mel- knowing about Marilyn Monroe helped me more than knowing about my table d'éléments périodiques. All right, <laughs> I haven't opened a science book science book in the past ten years, but I've talked about Marilyn and I'm talking about her today. So back to the pop culture at hand. Marilyn motherfucking Monroe. When I th- decided to speak on her because of the movie coming out, because of the whole conversation surrounding her, um, her pop culture influence, her work, her life, and everything that came for her and before, with, and after her, I the first thing that I thought is that I decided for the show was I am not going to go in the usual sob story route, which almost to me falls in the sense of trauma porn, right? Because if you know Marilyn Monroe, if you just know the myth, the story, everybody, most people know that. She came from very humble beginnings, and humble is, you know, an understatement. She was in the foster case, foster care system. I think she went through maybe seven to ten foster families. The girl had a rough life. You know, her mother had um, mental illness. She was in the asylum. Her grandmother before her was in the same situation. Marilyn never technically ended up in the asylum, but I sadly, I believe it's because she died before. And also because people had too much to gain from exploiting her instead of giving her the help she needed, which was Hollywood at the time, sadly, which is still, in a way, Hollywood nowadays and the industry over the, all over the world. But times have definitely changed, and we do have Marilyn to thank for it, because without getting, once again, too much into the substory of her life, we cannot talk about Marilyn Monroe without talking about the politics that came for a woman in the 50s in terms of being an actress, in terms of being in the industry. Politics that slowly but surely have started to change, especially in the wake of a few years ago with the Me Too movement, you know, we're starting to be able to talk more openly, to be more, to definitely be more open and also real about what it is to be a woman, but especially what it is to be a woman that uses her sexuality as part of her image. Because when I said earlier that when it comes to Marilyn Monroe, nothing was simple, everything was crafted. And I say this with the 
utmost respect as a performer, as somebody that also utilizes a lot of glamour, a lot of beauty. And I always say, as long as I have a voice, you will hear me. And as long as I have this body, you will see me. <laughs> and I will be seen and I will be heard. And one thing Marilyn Monroe made sure to be is to be seen and to be heard. When I think of Marilyn Monroe and the um, power of the glamour and the beauty and the sex appeal that she used and utilized on screen, I like to make certain references and certain correlations or, you know, comparisons to what we have nowadays, right? A lot of people would like to see, you know, it's part of the constant um, uh, conversation when it comes to Marilyn Monroe that if we were to look at the ladies and the people that we have on in the, in the public eye nowadays, a lot of people we know would believe and would agree that Kim Kardashian is the closest thing we have to Marilyn Monroe. As much as I've as much as respect I have from Kim Kardashian for Kim Kardashian as a woman in pop culture, as a beauty icon, because the lady is a beauty icon. You cannot think of beauty in the 2010s without thinking of the Kardashians, for better or for worse. But for them to try to put her in the same vicinity in terms of what she represented for pop culture as Marilyn Monroe is, personally, I believe it's completely false. Marilyn Monroe and Kim Kardashian are, are two different women that came by two different means and that have shown two different things to the public. Once again, it's no shade to Miss Kim K. We love Kim K. Kim K is an icon. She, you know, if there wasn't some for Kim K, the contour that we'd be doing nowadays wouldn't be contoured up. You know, it, it's contouring. Kim K, one thing about her, she will contour. And we will contour, you know. <laughs> for lack of better, I'm trying to make a little pun for you, but I'll keep it cute. But, you know, when I go back to Marilyn Monroe, and if we want to talk about crafting an image, a lot of people don't know that Marilyn Monroe actually worked with the same makeup artist for the entirety of her career, which is from the early 50s. I think one of her first screen tests was out about Eve in 1950. She did have some minor roles in the 40s, but nothing sadly to be that remembered, because all about Eve with um, Betty Davis was the real moment that the world got to see Marilyn Monroe, you know, in action, if so to speak. And even though the movie was in black and white, you can already see what was going to become key elements of the Marilyn Monroe myth, right? Of the entire imagery that come, that came with her. So when we go back to the makeup, Marilyn Monroe actually worked with the same makeup artist with Alan um, Withy Snyder. Let me look up his name because I just know him as Alan because I was lucky enough to found... Oh, there we go. Alan Withy Snyder. Yeah. So she worked with Mr. Snyder for the entirety of her career to the point that before she died, I think she made him promise in the mid-50s that, God forbid, she was to die before him, he would be the one to do her uh, funeral makeup. And he did. He kept up his end of the bargain, and when she died, August 1962, Alan Withley was the one doing her makeup, and he was also one of the pearl bearer at her funerals. But let's go back to the makeup itself. When I talk about crafting an identity and crafting a visual image as a performance artist, as somebody once again that utilizes a lot of the visual aspect. I have full understanding that this is show business. I've always said it's show business. No matter what I get up on the stage, no matter what I get up on TV and say and do, at the end of the day, people will see something. And it might not be the same in the same case for everybody. A lot of people, you know, a lot of performers, they're able to get to the stage and, for example, they, they don't have the most glam outfit or most glam presentation. But what they have is a voice. What they have is a is an instrument. What they have, you know, is something else. Like Josephine Baker, for example, said, as a dancer, all I had was my body. A painter had his pen, you know, his pencil and his canvas. What I had was my body. 
and that's something I can fully get behind of because as a performer as a go-go dancer as a dancer as a performance artist as an actress I'm uh, listen I always say I'm no Whitney Houston when it comes to sing I might give you a little Janet I might whisper on the mic for you <laughs> I'm definitely no um, Oscar Peterson don't put me behind any instrument I had few piano lessons as a kid and that's about it I might be able to play the 7th symphony I might be able to play the first two minutes and that's it I'll keep it on repeat you know, so I can fully understand, I can fully respect somebody that, like Marilyn, that really took time to create a visual artistry to what she had to offer. Because once again, now, before I once do another segue back to the makeup, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe's makeup took three hours to achieve. Three hours. And that's three hours of makeup using 1950s products to give you a full idea of the amount of work. Not to say that the girl needed all of this. My my understanding and my belief with makeup is nobody needs makeup. You know, I posted something on my story recently, just today, being funny. I said what I like the most about doing a radio show is I don't have to get cute. I'll be rolling out of my bed, slap a bit of moisturizer on, and I'm out. When I'm on stage, when I'm in front of a camera, that's different. But what I do understand with Marilyn is that the level of craftiness her and Alan were able to come up with when it comes to her makeup and even though this is a radio show, so I can't really show you pictures, I'm inviting all of you guys to just Google Marilyn Monroe close-up or Marilyn Monroe makeup, right? As I'm going through it with you. Because I personally have my little Marilyn Monroe picture with me that I'm looking at right now. The one I really want to get on first is, let's get into the Marilyn Monroe 1950s look. Which is the quintessential, when you think of it, Marilyn Monroe makeup. Because sadly, she's she was to die in 1942, and... The makeup already already in the 60s was very different, you know. We were kind of shifting away from the heavy, glossed-up red lip to a more nude. Even though she was still with the red lip, it was more matte. But let's go to the 50s makeup. So when I look at Marilyn Monroe in the 50s, few key elements that I see, right? I see the very hard-shaped eyebrows. I also see lots of dewiness and lots of glow. Once again, like I mentioned on the lips, I see extremely glossed-up red lips with a bit of a lighter tint in the middle of the bottom lip, right? I see the infamous mole. I also see the half lashes. I see the brown eyeliner, which a lot of people have confused. Marilyn Monroe never did a dark liner. She only did brown liners, especially in the 50s. And I also see my favorite thing about her makeup, which is the fake eyeshadow, shadow burn, but basically the lash shadow that's being drawn at the bottom of her waterline. So let's get into that. Her and Alan, the way they worked, right? Because Marilyn Monroe, she doesn't get enough credit for the visual artist that she was. Because when you look at her makeup, and that's where the makeup aficionados, the people that love makeup and that love pop culture, Marilyn Monroe was not actually the first blonde bombshell when it comes to Hollywood history. A lot of people don't know, but the first blonde bombshell in history when it comes to Hollywood was Jean Harlow in the 1930s, which she also had a, you know, untimely demise, but she died of you know, medical reasons, and like Marilyn, who died sadly of a drug overdose. But Jane Harlow was to die in 1937 at the age of maybe 26, yeah, 26 years old. Jane Harlow was the actual original Blonde Bombshell, as she was featured in the movie Blonde Bombshell in 1932, I think. Don't quote me on that, but I do believe. So Marilyn had a lot of inspiration drawn from Jane Harlow, as well as Greta Garbo, which, if you know cinema history, Greta Garbo is perhaps the OG. You know, we had Mary Pickford, we had Clara Bow in the early 10s and very, very early 20s. But Greta Garbo is the first 
real Hollywood icon, especially when you think of her being part of the silent film and having been one of the few actresses that was able to cross over to the talkies, right? When Hollywood became, when movies became talkable, when when you could hear actors on screen, if you see what I'm talking about. So Marilyn Monroe was able to drag, to draw both inspiration from Jane Harlow and Greta Garbo with their makeup, right? And the way they presented themselves on screen. Jane Harlow with the blonde bombshell, the platinum blonde, the platinum blonde hair, the dark eyebrows, and the red lips. Even though Jane Harlow, most of her movies were in the black and white eras of the time, you still can see some colorized pictures of her, and you can clearly see that the makeup, the, red, the lipstick was red. But when it comes to the eyes, the eyes were straight up Greta Garbo, and it's something that I have so much respect for because, as once again, somebody that loves the visual aspect of everything, Marilyn Monroe was able to take inspiration from Greta Garbo's sleepy eyes makeup. Because one thing about Greta is she was known for those deep, set, cut, creased looking eyes, right? And that's exactly what Marilyn Monroe did. Because a lot of people don't know that Marilyn always wanted to be an actress. It's not something that happened out of a sudden for her. If you were to go back in her career and see the way it, you know, fold up, Marilyn started as a model in the 40s, as a pinup model and then as a commercial model or the other way around to slowly but surely make her way to Hollywood, right? So it was always something that she wanted to do. She said it herself. Jane Harlow, Greta Garbo, these ladies that she grew up watching on the, you know, in the movies when she, was a, when she was a child, these were the girls that she wanted to be. Clark Gable, that she was able to play in The Misfits in 1961, which sadly was his last film and one of her last films before dying, last films that she actually completed, that she never completed. Um, something, something's got to give in 1962. These were people that she looked up to. These were people that she wanted to be akin to. These were people that she wanted to work with. And she ended up doing so. But when I say that nothing was left to the imagination in the sense that everything was crafted with her, she took up that image and molded it into something that she knew was marketable, bankable, as they used to say in the 50s. Back to the makeup. So, she always knew the kind of idea and the kind of visual the kind of woman she wanted to be portraying on screen right which is why when you see Marilyn's makeup in the 50s especially when it comes to her eyes everything was so bedroomy right everything was so sleepy everything was so smoldering which is why she used a brown liner to really accentuate the not too done up eyes as eye aspect of the makeup right everything had to be just soft and everything had to be just fresh right which is what she did, especially with uh, when I mentioned earlier, I was slurring my words, but um, shadow that she used to draw underneath her waterline, right at the basis, right under the lash line, on top of her half lashes. A lot of people, when they look at the pictures, they don't realize that it's not an actual shadow. When you go to see Marilyn in movies, when you look at her pictures, when you look at her movies, her on screen, especially when it comes to videos, you see that there's always that shadow, no matter where the light is coming from, no matter how low and how bright the light is. There's always the shadow from her lashes, and that's because she had Alan draw with a brown liner the shadow under the lashes to give the illusion that her half, half lashes were so heavy, that her eyes were so sleepy, that every time she would open her eyes, there was this shadow from her lashes, which is, as a makeup girl, I believe it's just genius. It's simply just unbelievable, the attention to detail that was put on. And to go back on Mr. Withy, on Mr. Sp- uh, Snyder, Alan, Snyder, Alan Withy, Snyder Withy was his little nickname. So let's just call him Withy. If we go back to Mr. Withy, there's something to be said about 
an artist working with the same makeup artist her entire career. Because that's one thing that really saddens me when I look at, for example, Kim Kardashian. Love her. Once again, for better or for worse. Love what she has done with her career and what she has done with the beauty industry. But my thing is, even though Kim K has her signature makeup, you kind of see her drifting away. And same thing for Rihanna, same thing for Nicki Minaj and Beyonce and all these other girls. They all had their signature makeup at the beginning of their career, right? When you think Beyonce and her Destiny's Child Day, you think very bronze, golden makeup, which was very, and you know, in fashion for the 90s. When you think of Nicki Minaj in the early days, you know, of her mainstream career, Pink Friday years, you think of bright pink lip, you think of a bold eyeshadow, a good liner, some thick lashes, you know, a very Barbie look. When you think of Rihanna, which Rihanna is a bit more complicated to seize up, even though it's just so funny because she's the one with the makeup, with the makeup line and the makeup brand. But Rihanna was always much of a chameleon when, you think, when it comes to her makeup. But when you look at the early beginnings, when she was in the Pond Replay Girl and, you know, Music of the Sun and A Girl Like Me, her makeup was very much more sun-kissed going through the Island Girl theme of her music. So everybody had their own makeup, you know, signature makeup. But we're coming in a society as a generation with the rise of social media, TikTok, Instagram, and everything. Makeup knowledge is so easily accessible that everybody is able to do so many different things, which is an amazing thing. You know, I do my own makeup often. I've worked with several makeup artists. A lot of my friends are makeup artists, so I have key makeup artists that I love to go back to when I have some bigger gigs that I know this is a, you know, a big thing. I'm going to be seen by a lot of people, especially if it's on camera. I want my makeup to look a certain way. I know who I'm going to talk to. You know, I'll talk to Imani. I'll talk to Miss Britt Fatal. You know, I'll talk to my girls. I'll talk to Ashley sometimes if she's still available. But I do also know how to do my own makeup and I know how my face works. Which, the relationship between Marilyn and Withy is something that I've always aspired to have and always looked up with such respect. Simply because you don't sit around with somebody for three hours every morning on set. To not have a certain respect of each other's work and craft, right? Because when I say three hours, I'm not kidding. It really took her three hours in the sense that at the time, makeup was not as further and in terms of knowledge for everybody that we that we know as of today, right? She was one of the first women in, that I know of, especially at that time, because that's why I love makeup and that's why I love Marilyn in terms of a visual persona. A visual persona. At the time, using the cameras that the studios and you know movie and TV were TV TV were using back at the time, more a lot of people don't know that the reason why certain colors were not used in makeup back in the let's say twenties, thirties, let's say thirties, forties, because that's when really late their forties even right. Let's around those times. That's because that's when really color became a thing, right? Uh, prima color and colors, color play and whatever on those different kind of cameras. At the time, certain makers, certain ma- um, colors were not showing up on screen. You simply couldn't use a blue eyeshadow, I think, back in the 30s because it wasn't showing up right. So the ladies had to use a gray eyeshadow. You couldn't use brown because the brown wouldn't show as nice, especially back in the 20s, way before Marilyn's time, because she was born in 26, right? You couldn't use brown and you know brown for contour because brown was not showing up nicely on scale on, on screen, especially early early 20s. The camera was so flat. <laughs> you know, that's when you look at 1920s makeup. There's no contour. Everything is about the eyes and the lips. Because these were the things that were really showing up. The key things that were showing up on screen. But by the time Marilyn came on, came into business by the mid-50s, when she really was establishing herself as the icon that she was, the camera had already gotten so much better, but the camera was still not what we have today. 
So what she did was to work alongside what she had and work with what she knew was going to show up on screen. When you look at her makeup, if you're still on your phone, go back to the pictures, right? Go back to the videos. You see the shadow that I mentioned. You see the way that her skin was always so dewy, right? Marilyn was always catching up the light. No matter where she was, once again, no matter how light, how dim, how bright, her skin will be, would have been dewy. Why? Because the girl was using Vaseline as a primer. Which, <laughs> when you think of it in 2022, nobody would put Vaseline on, on their face for the life of them. You know, I feel like we all know right now that Vaseline is a bit thick. You know, and once again, skin is very different from one person to another. We don't have, we don't all have the same kind of skin tone, so you can all use the same things. However, Marilyn knew that part of her image to be, you know, this baby doll, to be this sultry bedroom looking girl that's always so flustered and so fresh. She needed that constant glow. So what her and Withy did was using Vaseline as a primer first thing they would put on her skin was a big good layer of vaseline to make sure that no matter where she is in front of that camera her skin will glow and then when you look once again at her heart shaped eyebrows that i mentioned she's not obviously not naturally born with you know heart shaped eyebrows but what she knew she wanted once again was to commute love on screen she wanted to be a sex symbol she wanted to be loved she wanted to be deemed beautiful right so everything fell and it fell into really heart shaped and love and those kind of keywords. So her and Withy, they plucked those eyebrows to really give much more of a lifted and more angled and the temple shape to her face. That's why when you look at her face, no matter what the angles, and she always also had her favorite pose, you know, with the, the neck a bit lifted and everything, just to really accentuate the cheekbones and everything. Because she knew she wanted her face to, to commute love on screen. Which is why she stuck with the red lip. And if we were to get on those lips, once again, everything was crafted. Don't think that she was just putting on red lip, red lip liner, or red lipstick, some gloss, and call it a day. Miss Monroe had five layers of red lipstick. Five layers. One of them was one of them was rouged by Chanel, an iconic shade. When it comes to the lip liner, I'm zooming on a picture that was probably from looking at it, maybe 1955. It's giving me 1955 because it looks like straight out of the. Gentlemen prefer blonde, and I think that came out in 55 too, 52 or 55, I'm not sure. But it was around those times, those years. I look at her lip, right? So glossy, which you, and especially so glossy, but you still, like I mentioned, see the inner powderness, the inner corner, the lower lip, you see the very, and exactly the center, inner, center, inner center, much lighter. And I know a lot of you girls at home, and guys and people at home are wondering, well, if she had five shades of lipstick. Now, how the hell was the inner corner, inner center lighter, almost white? Well, that's simply because she would actually put white concealer in the middle of her bottom lip to give fullness. Cause, and that's one, you know, you, you can hear the, in my voice the passion, because I have a passion for beauty. I've always said, and I stuck with it, there is no shame when you're a more generalized person. And especially when you're just a person in general, there's no shame to be vain and to love yourself. My mother, my biological mother, used to always tell me in Creole, my face is my passport if I don't look right how the hell am I expecting to get around and that's something my mother told me when I was 8 years old and I've never forgot it if you don't look right how the hell do you expect to get around and that also goes to show sadly what, what type of society we live in right? because now more and more especially with social media and YouTube and everything we are more open and more able to have those conversations we talk about beauty privilege we talk about pretty privilege we talk about 
what it is to be seen as more desirable in society and how you will often get benefits from it. And as fucked up as it is, I am not in the business of being ugly. <laughs> I've always said you can say a lot of things about me. I've heard a lot and I've heard and I've heard I've heard quite a lot of things about me. But what I've never heard is somebody call me ugly. Because that would be a lie. And we don't like liars. And God don't like liars because God don't like ugly. And beauty is once again like Sophia Loren said in the eye of the beholder. I'm sitting here telling you that I'm not in the business of being ugly simply because I know that for myself, I know what beauty is. I know how and I know how I can commute beauty the best way. Whether it's on screen, whether it's on me presenting myself, whether it's just me posting a picture, I know how to make myself look good. Why? Because I make my own rules on how to look good. The same way Marilyn Monroe did. Marilyn Monroe, you have to understand that for the time being, the 50s, her look was pretty bold. We're talking about five layers of red lipstick with a top of very shiny coat of lip gloss. We're talking about white powdered foundation. Her foundation was technically almost white. The concealer that she was using was white. That's how she was able to, to really bring the light to her face so often. Now, I know how a lot of you people at home, especially if you're like me from a darker complexion, I've often looked, you know, look up a way of how to do Marilyn Monroe makeup on a darker skin. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy because sadly the Marilyn Monroe makeup was not made for darker skin because Marilyn Monroe was a white woman. She was very pale. But what did she do? She used what she had and made the best out of it. Now enough about the makeup because knowing me, I could be on this little show for the next six hours talking about her makeup. But let's talk about other things, right? Let's talk about her visual persona. But before doing so, let me play another song because you know me, when I do a show, I like to give a little theme for the show, which means I like to bring songs based on the theme. So we first opened the show with Diamonds or a Girl's Best Friend from Gentleman Prefer. Gentleman Prefers Blonde, which is one of my favorite Marilyn Monroe movies. You know, there's Jane Russell and it. It's just, you, you got to see it. If you've never seen the movie, you've seen, you've heard and seen Gentleman Prefers Blonde. Gentleman Prefers Blonde with the pink dress. It's where the movie is. It's where the scene, it's where the movie, the scene is from. So it's a movie that the scene is from. Ooh, ciao. But anyways, back to the songs. I'm feeling, you know what? I had two, two ideas. Either I could stick to the Marilyn Monroe theme, to the full theme, full extent, and just play Marilyn Monroe songs, or I could maybe play different songs by artists that were written either about or with Marilyn Monroe in mind. So you know what? I might do that. Because outside of being a big pop, pop culture concern, a huge Marilyn Monroe, Bridget Bardot, Sophia Loren, Audrey Hepburn, Monica, Monica Bellucci, even though she's from a different time, you know, even though I'm a huge cinema lover, I'm also a Barb's. <laughs> so what I'm going to play for you guys is Marilyn Monroe by Nicki Minaj on her Pink Friday Women Reloaded album. So let's play it.
you can always call me at 514-448-4013. Come and chat. Let me know what you think about Miss Monroe. Hmm? All right, back to the song. It's like all the good things, they fall apart like, like, Marilyn Monroe. Truth is we selfish also impatient yes which is another thing we should be talking about Sally I know I said I didn't want to make that episode a sob story because I personally feel that Marilyn Monroe's story has been how can I put this in words we now know that the lady was suffering with mental illness with mental health issues we now know that the lady was not crazy as she was made to be to be looked at as crazy back in the 50s and the 60s when she was fighting for her rights as an actress and you know to be treated with respect in that industry but I feel like there has been such a morbid almost obsession with the sadness of her life right there has been this morbid obsession oh oh it looks like somebody was calling see that told you guys I'm alone in that studio so if you call you gotta text me honey I can't keep my eyes everywhere you know I keep an eye out for Selena but <laughs> But I think I know who was calling, so baby, call back. My eyes are right up on the phone right now. And I'll be on you. Ah, you're listening. I love this. Give me one sec, guys. What's up, everybody? I'm about to put my girl on the air. Give me one sec. See, right when Alex left, that's when I'm having technical issues. Bear with me, guys. I know what I'm doing. Telephone, telephone, telephone. Damn it. You know what? Listen, I'm going to hang up a bit. Geneva, you're going to call me right back. Okay, guys. So back to the story. As I can multitask, I'm going to be looking on my damn thing to look for this telephone outlet. I just had it. But anyways, let's play another song in the meantime. 
Oh, I'm really sorry, guys. But I've been doing a good job, no? Like I told you, I've been alone in the studio, tagging it up and all. But anyways, we'll be playing I Want to Be Loved by You in the Meantime. Another one of my favorite songs. And sadly, I'm still not able to figure out how to get this phone working. I'm so sorry, you guys. I'm really sorry. But I did say, this is so embarrassing, but I did say that I'm very slow with technology and I'm sitting in front of this damn thing with so many different buttons that say telephone. And what I do not want is to go pick a button and have God knows what happened on air, honey. So I was thinking maybe what I could do is have my friend call me on my actual cell phone and put it right next to the microphone. Let's try this thing. So call me right there. Watch me almost saying my phone number on air. There we go. So try to call me on this one. Because this friend Geneva. Honey, one thing about me. You guys know I love and know about pop culture. But this girl might be the one girl I can really... S- if this was a game of Jeopardy, I might be in Jeopardy. <laughs> so back to the story at hand. I'll see if it works. They'll be, she'll be calling me if it works or not. But whatever. 
So yeah, I was saying before, people love you utilizing Marilyn's story as a, you know, almost trauma, trauma porn. But at the same time, people do love using her story as a cautionary tale, which is very important. Because she, when you think of it, sadly, you can't always, you, when it comes to suicide, when it, oh, I should have given him, I'm sorry for using that word, chicken or trigger. Oh, I mean, there's a trigger warning before, but when it comes to battling with mental health and stuff like that, I, you can never put that on somebody else's, right? People struggle with their own things and everything. People start with their own, people have their own issues that they're battling with, but when it comes to Marilyn and her mental health, I truly believe that the industry did that to her. They really pushed her to that corner simply because at the time, mental health was not something that was fully respected or understood. And it just saddens me that when we think of her, when we talk about her, the only thing that people want to talk about, sadly, is the tragedy behind her life. The tragedy. But what about the greatness that she brought to the screen? Oh, and we're receiving a call. What's up, sis? Wait, let's give it a try. Cause I was, wait, can, let's give it a try. Can you hear? Can you hear yourself like on the show? Speak. Oh, I actually paused it because I wanted to be echoey. Mm. Well, you know what? I'm putting you right next to the microphone, so that's the best we'll be getting at. <laughs> All right, do it. So yeah, I was telling them when it comes to um, Marilyn Monroe and just pop culture knowledge and everything. I told them if there was one person that could go toe to toe with me, if this was a game of Jeopardy, it would be you. <laughs> oh my God! What a huge compliment. I mean, we've definitely bonded over our love of the divas and the mm. women who have come before definitely. because I think and you would know and definitely acknowledge that pop culture is so referential yes so it's important to go back and see where everything came from like we aren't just in a vacuum where style and taste is just all of a sudden here it all comes from somewhere mm-hmm. so that's why I've always been so inspired to look back and see where all the different steps happen and where all the different things happen for us to get to where we are. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Marilyn is, you know, probably like one of the most iconic faces um, of human history, really. Yeah, 100%. And it's so crazy that you mentioned um, how everything comes from something, right? Because when you look at Marilyn, because we touched upon her makeup earlier, but when you look at Marilyn and her image, it's crazy how... To a certain extent, she is the most often um, replicated. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Marilyn is that you can't technically replicate the look so easily because that look is not to be replicated on like a day-to-day basis. It's not, no, you it's, know? it's dramatic. It's yeah. big. I actually, when you were talking about the makeup, I mm-hmm. grabbed my Kevin Aquan Making Faces mm-hmm. book. Yes. And he's got a page in here dedicated to her, and I thought you'd like the description. Read it. And Go he ahead. says, Lightly arched eyebrows glossy red lips, satiny powder soft eyeshadow, lush eyelashes with ample mascara and foundation with a healthy tone to imply vitality with the signature cosmetic features of the bombshell. The Zafti group included Jane Mansfield, Betty Grable, and of course, Marilyn Monroe, easily the most unique and complex of them all. And I loved that description. 100%, 100%, 100%, because there was definitely other bombshells, especially blonde bombshells of that era, but it is to be understood that Marilyn was the first one, or the most yeah. important one, almost. Absolutely, I think she's incredibly important, but as you mentioned, like the Greta Garbos or the Mae West, mm-hmm. they, they set a tone for her, and I think when it comes to like iconic, important spaces, 
she's so recognizable. And those things like the bedroom eye, the heart-shaped eyebrows, the red lips, they're unmistakably her. And considering Mm -hmm. that she hasn't been with us in, what, about 60 years? Everyone knows what that is. It's undeniable that it's her. And that kind of impact, I mean, that's once in a lifetime, once in Mm -hmm. a century. No, 100%. Every time I think of it, it makes me think of... Because she always said that what she wanted the most in her career and her life is to A, be loved and to be recognized as an actress. And I, I know. You know. And she didn't often, which is really heartbreaking. Yeah. But I do think sometimes, because when you think of the way her image is so mass pro- mass produced, I wonder sometimes looking mm-hmm. at you know, from above, how does she feel? Because at the end of the day, she did become the most recognized actress in the world and history. I do too. Do you know about the story of her estate? I think tell them because I think I do but remind me and remind the, the right. listeners so she trained under Lee Strasberg the, mm-hmm. the acting coach famous for method acting yes. and when she passed away he got 75% oh, yes. of her estate yeah. and he was married to someone who knew her mm-hmm. they got divorced and he married another woman who never had met Marilyn yeah. and then when he passed away in the late 60s this woman who had never met Marilyn all of a sudden inherited 75% of the estate. Yeah. And clearly, she went to town mm. marketing the hell out of her face. So, part of me is heartbroken that the person who was able to take all of the money is someone that never knew her. And not even a family-related member or something. Not a family, re- no family-related, didn't know her. It feels exploitative to me. Yeah. But then again, on the, other, on the other side of the coin, did she get the same that she would have wanted but I I guess I wish it could have been on her own terms that's what it is no 100% thank you so much for calling Vibs we have to talk soon and talk about this damn book absolutely thank you so much for having me of course I'll talk to you soon alright bye 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 so this was my friend Geneva once again a full connoisseuse une vraie connoisseuse une vraie de vraie shout out to her really and the Kevin O'Quan book you guys should read it because if you if you've been really and to my little makeup talk earlier, you should get the book or you should, you know, rent it or whatever because it's an amazing book. Kevin O'Quarren, rest in peace, is a makeup god. When it comes to the makeup that we be doing nowadays, when you think of makeup from the 80s, 90s, if you think of the supermodels, if you think of the pop girls, Madonna, Janet, Cher, Kevin is the one that was at Whitney Houston. Kevin was doing everybody's makeup. And he was the best. Me, rest in peace. But back to Marilyn and that estate conversation. Yes, how can I forget about a damn estate? Because if I'm going to make this a sob story, I'm not about I'm not about to make it a sob story about her mental health. But I'll make it a sob story about the exploitation that that lady received and faced all the way to her afterlife. Because like Geneva said, her estate has been sold. When I'm telling you sold, her estate has been sold like little hot Swedish bread on a Sunday morning. When I'm telling you she has been sold... Sephora winter sales haven't even been that much, that that good yet. People have made so much money with the name of Marilyn Monroe. When you go somewhere, you can go anywhere all over the world. And that's something that shook me because, you know, I was traveling in Europe. And I kid you not, in Paris, when you go to a tourist shop, you will see plenty of little Marilyn Monroe things. What the hell does Marilyn Monroe have to do with France? One might ask themselves. Marilyn Monroe's image has been utilized in such ways that sadly one of the ways I was really able to get into her is by reading her her private diary that was turned into a book. 
and you know i feel very differently about it now but at the time i was what 13 14 years old so you know you don't understand a lot of things you don't see the things the same way you will do as a as an adult as a grown-up with more knowledge but i did read her private diary that was turned into a book they turned that lady's private diary into a bestseller the book only goes as far as the mid to late 50s which only co- covers maybe let's say a third of her career as she died she was to die six to seven years after so six to seven years of miss are missing in that book but it's so astonishing when you think of it and it's something you know i'm I'm here, I'm losing words because it's just so, it's just so fucked up. People have made so much money, like Geneva mentioned. That lady sold everything. If she could have sold Marilyn's toothbrush, she would have. If she could have sold her panties, she would have. That lady sold everything at Sotheby's, at all the big um, auction houses. She sold it all. And when you think of her dresses and outfits being worn at the Met Gala by Kim Kardashian... I thought I I really I personally felt like this was extremely distasteful. It would have been one thing to I don't know. It would have been one thing to wear some of her jewelry. It would have been one thing to wear I don't know some of her to have her exact makeup replicated. It, there was so many different ways that this could have been achieved and I understand that this was the anyway the highest way to pay homage to the theme that year which was American fashion. Yes. This was, you know, this was a genius move when you think of it, but extremely distasteful when you look at the ex- history of exploitation that follows the name Marilyn Monroe. People don't know that when she died, Hugh Efner actually bought the, the place and the tomb right next to her. Other people have bought the places on top of her and underneath her so they could say that they will forever sleep under or on top of Marilyn Monroe. Do you know how crazy that is? To not even be left alone after life and your afterlife? Marilyn Monroe deserved way better. And what I really wanted this episode to be about was for people to really see beneath and beyond the sad little girl from the orphanage that suffered from mental health and that ended up either taking her own life or dying from an accidental overdose. I wanted to look past that. I wanted people to look at the artist. Like Geneva mentioned, the woman that went through Lee Strasberg and the actor's studio for method acting in the 50s in New York because she wanted to be taken seriously. The woman that started out as a model in Hollywood and did all the photo shoots and all the things she could and had to deal with some sleazy photographers that wanted more than just a photo shoot. She had to deal with all of this. She had to learn how to play the studio just like Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford who, you know... Oh, love and respect, even though you can say what you want about her mothering skills, this is not what it's about. It's not, the, the topic is not even about her today. But John Crawford was another one that had to learn how to play by the studio's rules. As women at the time, at that time, often had to. When Marilyn Monroe was starting to give problems to the Fox, the 20th Fox century, you know what their answer was? That's when they picked up Jane Mansfield. And I love Jane Mansfield. Jane Mansfield, if you want to talk about a stunt queen, Jane Mansfield is the OG original motherfucking stunt queen. We're talking about somebody that was known to show up with dresses that were, you know, tailored not so right, just so she could have a oops, Teddy's out function moment <laughs> in the 50s. Jane Mansfield is the original stunt queen. She was the original every good, every publicity is good publicity. 
But to understand Jane Mansfield is to understand that she only got her career technically because they were trying to get rid of Marilyn. They were trying to find an answer to her. Mammy Van Doren is another one. So many blonde actresses from the 50s only got a start because the studios were trying to get another Marilyn because Marilyn was not playing by the rules anymore. She wanted something better. And as sad as it is, she got so close to that better thing, but she sadly never got to. No, she was to die in 1962, at the age of 36. So as I said, I could go on for so long and so long about Marilyn, but, you know, we do have to call it a day and call it a night, because I do have to pee. <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom, and there's only two minutes left. So, after all this talk about show business, why not play a song from the movie? There's nothing, there's no business like show business from 1954, starring Marilyn Monroe. And the song I'm going to play for you guys is Heat Wave, which is very ironic when you look at the temperature. Before I go, let me just say one thing. Do you guys know how much I love you? Do you know how? I walked from my... I always have the bad habit to give too much details. I walked from my house all the way into my land to the CKUT radio studios. Under the rain. I'm literally walking on puddles. My shoes are puddly. But I'm here tonight. Because what? There's no business like show business. And on that note, let's play Heat Wave. Maybe we'll get some heat in the following days. This was the one and only Miss Chris on CKUT, Queer Core, Ask Miss Chris. And I'll see you next week. And I love you all, always. <laughs>